God Almighty, I am asking you, please, to give me the words that I need to say. Lord, that you would speak through me, use me as a broken vessel. Lord, that you would move in our midst. Even when we don't see it, you are working. Even when we don't feel it, you are working. Lord, through your word, reassure us of that today. Uh, Lord, keep your body unified. Keep your body on mission. Let us glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm excited about getting to have some time in the Word with you again in your living room, from my living room, even if I can't see you face-to-face, which if I'm being 100% honest, really kind of kills me inside. I, I'm, I am deprived right now of the time that I really want with you. And so I'll ask you again, send me the pictures of you worshiping in your home uh, over social media or text them to me. Just let them bless my heart uh, as I get to see us a little bit as the gathered church. Uh, not really, but the scattered church. And so um, there are some verses I've looked at this week that have really helped me before I even get into our message. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, But he said to me, this is the Lord speaking to the Apostle Paul in his moment of weakness with the thorn in his flesh. And he says, Jesus basically said to Paul, the Lord said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And then earlier in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on, but on God who raises the dead. So the reason that sometimes God lets us go through difficult seasons, as Paul says here, is so that we would not rely on ourselves, but rely on God. And I'll tell you, this has become an increasing reality for me in this season. As I struggle to not be able to be physically with you, worship with you, and uh, spend time with you. I've gotten to speak with many of you over the phone, not everyone yet. Um, and uh, I, I just... I. I miss the fellowship. I miss the gathering. And so I'll ask you again, look, send me your pictures, uh, text them to me over social media of you at your worship at home gathering and what it looks like uh, with you in, in the picture. Some of you guys sent me pictures of your TVs or your screens, and that's good, but I want to see you. I want to see you in that uh, setting together, if you wouldn't mind sending that to me. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said this, let us lean on God with all our weight. I've been telling you, this whole time. This is something we got to lean in on. Uh, the God God has a plan here. He's not surprised. He's, he's doing something amongst us. There is spiritual reasons for everything that's happening right now. And so again, Charles Burton says, let us lean on God with all our weight. Let us throw ourselves on his faithfulness as we do on our beds, bringing all our weariness to his dear rest. In this Who's Your One series, we've talked about leaning in on the Lord to lead us to tell others about Him. And I want to I want to tell you like I did last week, that, that doesn't slow down, that doesn't stop, that doesn't get paused. The mission doesn't get paused just because things got difficult. This is God at work helping us stay on the mission. And it's all the more important now 
that we focus on the ministry of making disciples that make disciples. And a big piece of that is sharing the gospel with those that need to hear it as we've been focused on in this series. And if you'll remember in week one, I told you in the three mile radius around the church, there's at least 60,000 unchurched souls. And around the world right now, it feels like there's a billion, two billion unchurched souls. But around your house and in your family, who are people that don't have a church they can tune into and find hope? I would encourage you to share this with them. Find ways to still be on mission. Not lesser ways, not insignificant ways. Understand that even in our lesser and, and insignificant things that God is at work. That's really what I want to talk to you about today is that we, we are to always be on mission, and it's not us to us to worry about whether what we're doing is significant enough, but just whether it's being obedient, whether we're following through with what God has for us. Because as, as you'll see in the, the main idea of your Bible study group lesson guide that you can download from our Worship at Home website, as disciples of Jesus, our task is to constantly be connecting others to the Jesus we know. That's it, our task is to constantly be connecting others to the Jesus we know. And so this is why we're live streaming or pre-recording and giving you out this message. This is why we're doing all the work that goes into this is so that you, one, you can you can gather in your home and worship, but that it gives you a way to share that with others and invite others into worship with you as well. My main passage for this morning, uh, our main passage is John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42 which says, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, so you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to him. Let's pray. God, we ask you again that as we spend our time in your word that you would let us be not only hearers of the word but doers. God, that your word would would be powerful in our lives right now. And Lord, that even though we have very insignificant offerings to give you, that you would use them in mighty ways to make much of your name. Lord, let us find our hope in you Let's find our refuge in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, this was a short passage, but I want you to think about this. Think about this. Peter, James, John, Andrew. Now, certainly Andrew was kind of the the least conspicuous of all these. Scripture doesn't tell us a lot about Andrew. He appears in the New Testament only nine times. And most references simply just kind of mention him in passing in like a list with other, with other people. He, he lived his life in the shadows of his better known brother, Peter. I don't know if you realize that, but Andrew's brother was Peter. You saw that in that passage there. He's even mentioned in the text as Simon Peter's brother. Like that's his identity. Like that's the sentence that follows his name is that's Peter's brother, Simon Peter's brother. And he kind of always lived in that shadow. However... We can't forget that it was Andrew that introduced Peter to Jesus. Andrew shows us that he had the right heart for effective ministry, uh, even sitting in the background. And I think we need to be encouraged by this because right now, any effort we make 
may feel to us like it's insignificant. But I want you to understand, there's, there's the reason we're asking you to pick one, there's power. And if you'll just commit to pick one, just a babysit, just share the gospel with one person, continually pray for that one person and lift them up. Andrew's name, our main character today, uh, his name means manly. Uh, he was a strong fisherman. He, his life proved to be this bold, decisive, and deliberate, yet he wasn't this driven, kind of out front kind of guy. He was driven, in a sense, by his passion for truth, and he was willing to subject himself to some of the most extreme kinds of hardship, as we find in his life as a disciple. Andrew's personal encounter with Jesus took a place uh, a few months after Jesus was baptized in John chapter 1. Andrew and John were standing next to John the Baptist. They were already following John the Baptist when Jesus walked by. And John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. What a phrase. Behold the Lamb of God. See, John the Baptist gathered people not for himself, but to point them to Jesus. And so we don't gather people for Redemption Church, but to point them to Jesus. And so I hope today I can help point you to Jesus and I can help you point someone else to Jesus. That John the Baptist was able to bring John in and then uh, Andrew in and lead him to Jesus. Andrew and John became Jesus' first disciples. The, the news Andrew heard was too good to keep to himself. So he went and found the one person in the world that he most loved whom he wanted to know Jesus and who led him to Christ. He picked one. His one was his brother, Simon Peter. And so most people do not come to Christ as just an immediate response to a sermon they hear. We, we don't see that anymore where the majority of salvations are people walking an aisle. I, I wish we would see that, but what we see, and I'm fine with this, this is great, is more relationship. And um, it's not usually immediate response to a sermon they hear in a crowded setting. It's they, they come to Christ because of the influence of an individual. And here's the deal. Even though we can't gather as a church, there's nothing stopping you or stopping me from telling others about Jesus in whatever way we can. Just one person, just one person, let them know the hope that they can have in Jesus. People come to Christ because of the influence almost always of an individual. Andrew brought one, Peter. But then Peter brought thousands. All the fruit of Peter's ministry is directly connected to Andrew's faithfulness to one and to bring that one. How can we, like Andrew, use our natural relationships, our spheres of influence, our, our, our friends, our relatives, our associates, our neighbors? How can we, friend to friend, brother to brother, neighbor to neighbor, share the gospel? I really want you to prayerfully consider that this week. And don't let this just be something I talk to you about. But be not don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word and find ways to share the gospel. Few of you, I would bet, have ever heard the name Edward Kemble. Edward Kemble. Anybody know that name? I can't see you, but raise your hand if you know that. He was a Sunday school teacher of somebody maybe you have heard of named D.L. Moody. Um, D.L. Moody would come to Sunday school as kind of this unruly kid, uneducated, worked in a shoe store, and uh, Edward Kemble went to a Boston shoe store where the 18-year-old D.L. Moody was working, kind of cornered him in a stock room, 
and stumbled through introducing him to Christ as he tells the story. Kimball was not someone you consider to be a bold person. He was, he, he was considered by most as timid, soft-spoken, but he went into that shoe store and he was frightened and he was nervous. He was trembling, unaware uh, whether he had the courage to confront this young man with the gospel or not, but just knowing that that's something God was calling him to do. Uh, Moody, on the other hand, is he's like it's crude and obviously illiterate, and Kimball uh, trembled, kind of trembled in his boots as he recalls the incident. Moody had begun to come to a Sunday school class, totally untaught, ignorant about the Bible, and so here's what Kimball said, Edward Kimball, about leading D.L. Moody to Christ, bringing him to Christ. He said, I decided to speak to Moody about Christ and about his soul. I started downtown to his Houston to uh, to Holt. I started downtown to Holton's shoe store. When I was nearly there, I began to wonder whether I ought to just go then during business hours. And I thought maybe my mission might embarrass the boy. That when I asked that when that when I went away, the other clerks might ask who I was, and and when they learned, uh, they might taunt Moody and ask if I was trying to make a good boy out of him. While I was pondering it all, I, I passed the store with, without noticing. And then when I f- found I, I'd gone through the door, determined to make a dash for it and have, had, just have it over. So he just wanted to get it over with at once. Kimball found Moody um, in the stock room and spoke to him with what he called limping words. Later he said, I, I, I never could remember what I said, something about Christ and his love. That's all I can remember. He admitted it was a weak appeal to Christ, but Moody, then and there, gave his heart to Christ. And then D.L. Moody has led tens of thousands uh, have testified that they came to Christ under Moody's ministry. One in particular is a guy named C.T. Studd, which is one of my heroes. You've heard me quote him before. Uh, he's a great pioneer ministry. William Chapman, who himself became a well-known evangelist, um, all came to Christ under Moody's ministry. Moody founded the Moody Bible Institute that has now trained thousands for ministry and published tons and tons of books. It all began when one was faithful to introduce another to Christ. And so as you look at the story, understand it's the simple story. Andrew became a disciple of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a good disciple maker because he didn't point people to himself. He pointed people to Jesus. He pointed Andrew to Jesus. And then when Andrew found Jesus, he knew what he had found. He found the treasure in the field, like we talked about last week. And so he ran. He ran over to Peter, and he wanted Peter to know. But he didn't just go tell Peter. He brought him. He brought him, and he brought him to Jesus and told him he had found the Messiah. And then Jesus says, when he when he brings Peter to him, he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at Peter and said, or looked at him, Simon, and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter or rock. Um, This is when we, last week, when we said that when Peter claimed that Jesus was the son of God, and God said, uh, is on, on this rock, not on Peter, but on this confession of Peter's, on this rock, on this Petra, on this Peter, Uh, On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, God is at work. There's a cheesy 
line I love, and we were singing earlier, that roaring lion makes me think of it, and so you can make fun of this as cheesy, out of Chronicles of Narnia. There's this one phrase that I love so much, Aslan is on the move. I don't know why, but it gives me chills. Like, if you remember that in the, in the movie Chronicles of Narnia, it's this idea that God, because Aslan is like this God-type, Lord Jesus-type creature, uh, caricature. And um, I just love that idea. Aslan is on the move. God is on the move. So Andrew um, sees the power of one again in another story I want to talk to you about. If you flip over in John... To John chapter 6. You go to John chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. In John 6, 8 and 9, it says, One of his disciples, uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, again, that becomes his identity, the sentence that follows his name. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. Um, do you remember this? Do you remember this story? I'm sure you do. When Jesus feeds the 5,000. And uh, there is 5,000 men. We don't know how many people were there. A lot of people there. A big gathering. And uh, there's no food. And so Andrew finds this boy. This boy has something, but it's, it's, it seems insignificant and completely insufficient. But here's the deal. When we take things that are insufficient to us and insignificant to us, and we turn them and surrender them completely over to the Lord, then he can, he can do miracles with those things. And so maybe the circumstances of being quarantined because of COVID, or maybe even if we weren't quarantined, just in your own self, you feel insufficient to tell someone about the gospel. You don't feel like you're going to be great at it. You resonate with this story of Edward Kimball in the sense that like you would just stumble through it. I would encourage you to be like Edward Kimball. Take, take your meager, seemingly insignificant gifts and hand them to Jesus and let him use you. It's not up to you how people respond. It's, it's just up to you to be faithful to share. And I would implore you to be willing to share. The tradition that we know about Andrew is that, uh, that he is not in the Bible, but just Christian history teaches us that it's quite possible Andrew took the gospel north into Russia, possibly even over to Scotland, he was ultimately crucified in Achai, uh, Achai which is uh, southern Greece near Athens. One account says that he led a wife of a provincial uh, Roman governor to Christ, and that infuriated her husband, and he demanded that his wife recant her devotion to Jesus Christ. She refused, and so the governor had Andrew crucified. He was lashed to the cross instead of nailed um, in order to prolong his suffering. Tradition says it was an X-shaped cross, and most accounts uh, say he hung on the cross for two days, exhorting passers-by to turn to Christ for salvation. Even though Andrew seemed to always kind of be in the background, there was a boldness to him because he knew what God could do with what we consider to be insignificant. God uses little things and foolish people. Last passage for you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, 
to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. It is not up to you to be incredibly gifted or charming or persuasive or convincing, just willing. Just willing to bring your little basket of fish and loaves and give it to Jesus and let him use it. And the way we do that is, is the ways that we've been talking about, the four eyes. We intercede, we pray for the lost, we invest in our relationships and invest in them as a person. We invite them to come to church with us, to come and see Jesus, to come and read the Bible with us, to watch this with us, to just watch this and talk about it, to come into online Bible study group with us. There are so many ways right now you can invite people. And there's not a lot of excuses. We've made it so available right now with all the online stuff. There's really no reason why they couldn't come to one of the Bible study group times that we're offering online while we're quarantined away. So intercede, invest, invite, and then introduce them to Jesus. I know it sounds daunting. I know it's overwhelming. I know this whole Hoosier One series, you've maybe decided it's great that we're quarantined so you don't feel like you have to go out and tell anybody. I just want to encourage you, this is not over. This, this call, this commission is never over. As a matter of fact, it may be more important now than ever. Um, there's a book that was published in 2009 called The Trellis and the Bind. When it was written, it was written when swine flu was starting to become a, uh, a, a pandemic concern, like that it might become what we're really dealing with today. It didn't become that, but the guy who was writing it towards the end of the book, he writes this. While I'm writing this, the swine flu, he talks about that, and then he says, in light of that, I made him think about this about the church. He said, imagine that the pandemic swept through your part of the world and that all public assemblies of more than three people were banned by the government for reasons of public health and safety for 18 months. Now, I really hope this doesn't happen for 18 months. But he asked some really good questions as he continues in that book. And he says, how would you do church? You, would have to, you couldn't gather. And he really makes the argument that at that point, it would have to be about making disciples. It would have to. There's really nothing else. So listen, church, it's so important right now that we participate in investing, in, uh, in interceding, in investing, in inviting, and in introducing the lost, but also in being in discipleship relationships. Even if it's got to be over video conference or phone calls, whatever you've got to do right now, don't... I'll tell you what one of those eyes is not. It's isolation. Like we need to be isolated physically so we're not spreading something because that's the government what the government has asked us to do. But you don't need to be isolated. That's that's not healthy. I'd lean in on the biblical community. Lean in on what God is doing and see what God has for you in this time. Because all of this, all of this, it's about making disciples that make disciples, that make the community noticeably better. Right? We exist to redeem the church and the community with the gospel by making disciples. And none of that has changed. Our methods right now are different, but the mission has not changed. And I would implore you, find ways to intercede, invest, invite, and introduce, but don't isolate. Guys, I love you. Um, I miss being with you. I can't wait to see pictures of you as you worship at home together. 
If you don't know about Jesus, if you're watching this video, if somebody shared it with you and you want to know more about having a relationship with Jesus or you have a prayer request, if you go to our website, redemptionjacks.church, click the Worship at Home link, then you scroll down. There's a place there where you can respond and you can contact us and let us know and we will contact you back. Uh, that you want to know more about Jesus, you want to be baptized, you want to know more about being a member, you have a prayer request, you have a physical need that we can help with, whatever it is, use that form, send it to us, let us know how we can be the church to you, how we can shine light into your darkness. Let's go be the church. Let's pray. God Almighty, I pray for our church right now. I pray for your church right now, your bride, as all across the world, it is having to adjust its methods, but never the message, never the mission. Lord, don't let us get sidetracked. Don't let us mission drift. Don't let us just isolate and be self-focused, but let us be kingdom-focused. Even right now, especially right now, God, use us. I'm begging you, God, to use your bride right now to make your name known in this time. I know you're at work. I know you're on the move. Lord, I love you so much, and I'm so grateful that you love me. Lord, I love this church. I pray that you be with each and every one of them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.